It has been nigh unto a decade since we have spoken the words of the Athanasian Creed, which we have just done. Are you not glad you do not have to memorize that to become a Lutheran? Embarrassingly, it has been longer than that since I have preached on a Trinity Sunday about the triune God. That is what I did last night. That is what I wish to do today. There is a verse in the Bible, Ephesians 2.18. It says, through Jesus, we have access to the Father by the working of the Holy Spirit. Through Jesus, we have access to the Father by the working of the Holy Spirit. It is called God's Word. Where is God first mentioned in the Bible? It is the first chapter. It is the first verse of the first chapter of the first book of the Bible. And it is the fourth word to be found in the Bible. In the beginning, God. Why does God's name be mentioned of the fourth word? Why does not the Bible start with God? It does. Because when it says in the beginning, it is talking about God. He was in the beginning. The Athanasian Creed points out what the others don't. God is not created. He is the Creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word created is used five times in the Bible. But in the Old Testament, it is only used pertaining to the divinity of God. In the Old Testament, twice the word created is used. It does not refer to human activity. It it refers to the activity of God. What pellet does God have as He begins the work of creation? He has this earth, this planet. But the Bible says two things. It says this earth was without form, and it was void. It was empty. It had no life in it. Days 1, 2, and 3, God deals with providing form to this earth. On those days, God separates and He gathers in order to give this planet its form. The first thing he does to gather is to bring uh, two things. He separates the light from the darkness. And the light he calls day and the darkness he calls night. And there was evening and there was morning and there was the first day. God did a second thing to provide form to this earth. Not only does he separate night from day, and thereby provide form, he also separates the waters. The earth now is 70% water. At the time of creation, there were waters above the surface and waters beneath because God separated the two waters. 100% on this earth water, and then God said, I must provide form. So I shall separate the waters above the surface from the waters beneath the surface. 
and the surface becomes dry land. And the dry land is called earth. And when God spends day one, two, and three providing form to this earth, He said after those days, This is good. That which the creative hand of God has accomplished, this is good. He now has form on this planet, but He has no life yet. And days four, five, and six are the days that God uses to provide life on this earth. Let the land produce vegetation, plants, and trees. And let there be creatures on the air, the birds. And let there be creatures in the water, the fish. And let there be animals on this earth. God did one other thing. He enabled the nature, the animals, the birds, the plants that He had created. He enables them to have the power He does. They have the power to create. He puts within the plant seeds. He does the same thing with animals. And rather than have to create each one of the 33,000 species of fish and the 9.4 million species of animals, God says to them, I place within you the power to create. Go forth and multiply and fill this earth with life. God lit the starry heavens, the light to rule by day, the sun, moon, and stars. And after everything was created, after the planet had form and had life, it was ready for God's highest creation. The angels already existed. There is one verse in the Bible that says, man ranks higher than the angels. God takes the dust of the earth and He breathes into it. And there is Adam. Genesis 1.27 God created man in His own image. Male and female created He them. Here is man. Jesus said 4,000 years later, He says the day before He dies, I am going to prepare a place for you in My Father's house. And if I go and prepare a place for you in my Father's house, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you might be where I am. It was not the first time that God had created a place for man. The first time was the Garden of Eden. God created that place for the highest ranking creature in all of creation to exist. And the Garden of Eden was as heaven is described. Revelation 21.4 When you get to heaven, there is no more suffering or death, sorrow or pain. The old order of things has passed away. Behold, says God, I make all things new. When Adam is in the garden, every tree is pleasant to his eye. Every sound, a melody, every scene, a delight. There was no war. There was no need for Memorial Day weekends. There was no war to burden the hearts. There was no sickness to cause fear of death. The leaf never withered, the wind that never chilled. No profanity ever reached his ear. 
No weariness, no heat, no cold, no suffering, no death, no sorrow, no pain. It was paradise created by God for man. God looks at Adam, and for the first time, God spoke the words, This is not good. And the word pertained to him, not to man. This is not good. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helpmeet for him. Every wedding, as I look out and I see friends and family gathered, I say at every wedding, there are two most important things in life. One is faith in God. The second is family and friends, for they multiply our joys. And at every funeral with people gathered, I say the same thing. There are two important things in life. Faith in God that helps us get through this grief. And the family and friends that have come to support. When Eve was created by God, there was no need for Adam to have someone help him get through storms. There were no storms yet. And yet, nonetheless, God said, there must be someone to whom Adam can say, look at the creation that God has granted us. And here she comes, Eve, in all the beauty a human being could possess. Grace was in her steps. Heaven was in her eyes. Perfection was stamped upon her. And Eden was transformed, even as Adam's life was transformed when God brings Eve to him. The place created by God for man. And all of this time, the second person of the Trinity is walking around up in heaven with his father. Torches flared as he walked golden streets. Trumpets announced his every arrival. Multitudes adored him. Worshippers bowed before him. Angels ministered to him. He was always in the presence of the Father. 1 Corinthians 2, 7. We would speak to you about God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden, but that God intended for our glory even before the beginning of time. And the next word speaks about Jesus. He was with God from the beginning. 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. Jesus was with God from the beginning. Revelation 13, 8. Jesus was with God from the beginning. You will notice that the Gospel of John, which we read every Christmas Eve... It begins the same way Genesis 1 begins. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, God created. Jesus is walking around up in heaven, and the four living creatures around the throne have been singing continuously, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
God the Father, God the Son. One day up in heaven a groan is heard. There is an event that shakes heaven. There is a thunderclap that shakes heaven. And the angels are groaning. And they look upon each other with horror. Why? Because there is trouble brewing on one of God's planets. A race has fallen. Adam and Eve have eaten of the fruits. Ruin has blighted God's world. God hears the winds howl and the serpents hiss. Man has fallen. And when man falls, animal life falls and plant life falls. And it says in the Bible that all creation groans when sin enters the world. How do we know there's groans in heaven when Adam sins? Because of Luke 15.10. It says the angels in heaven rejoice when any sinner repents. And if the angels in heaven find joy when a sinner repents, would not the angels find deep sorrow when one of God's children is walking his path and all of a sudden they step off the path into mud and quicksand, into sin? Wouldn't the angels groan when one of his children sins? There is only one way for earth's inhabitants to be salvaged. And that is for the crown prince of heaven to come to this earth. God's justice says, let man be damned, he is sin. God's mercy said, let there be a plan to save him. And the plan was Jesus. Jesus was not forced. God did not say to Jesus, Thou must do this. Jesus Himself had free will. How do we know? Philippians 2.5 We read it every Good Friday. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus our Lord, who though being in the form of God, he thought not, not robbery to be equal with God, but he emptied himself. And he took on him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. He emptied himself. God did not grab him by the arm, shove it behind his back and say, Uncle, Uncle, Jesus emptied himself. There are two times in the Bible where God literally says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. If he had forced Jesus to come and die on that cross, he would never have said it. There would have been no reason. When he's baptized and begins his ministry with a temptation in the wilderness, God says, this is my beloved son. Three years later, when he's on the Mount of Transfiguration, talking with Moses and Elijah, getting ready to go to Jerusalem, where he will die on that cross, 
God says as He comes off the mountain, this is my beloved Son. There is a third time He says it, though it's not verbal. The third time God says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, is the precise moment when God raised Him from the dead. And when He raised Him from the dead, the echoes proceed throughout all eternity. This is my beloved Son. He emptied Himself. I accept His sacrifice as a penalty for man's sin. I shall raise Him from the dead. Last week, Pastor Schauer read John 16, verse 7. It is one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. Because Jesus is literally saying, there's one more powerful in His activity than I can be. And that is the third person of the Trinity. Jesus said, John 16, 7, I must go back to the Father. He'd been on this earth for 40 days after His resurrection. I must go back to the Father. And then He says, You all appear sad because I'm telling you I'm leaving. But it is for your good that I go up to the Father. Because when I go to Him, I will send the Holy Spirit. And everything will change. Jesus is literally saying the Holy Spirit can do something I cannot do. I'm risen from the dead. You all see it. You've all stated it. And what do you do? You went back fishing. I've come to see you three different times. What do you did to do? You kept on fishing. It's time for the Holy Spirit to get involved. Quite a task. The apostles are appointed to teach and preach. They have to convince the world that a virgin gave birth. They have to convince the world that Jesus was perfect. They have to convince the world that His death means the salvation for all to come to faith. It's an impossible thing they're asked to do. But with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 3.20, there is nothing impossible. And the Holy Spirit comes. And that which Pastor Shower read today, Acts chapter 2, verse 22, it happened on the day of Pentecost. didn't happen the next day. It didn't happen a week later. It didn't happen a month later. It happened the day of Pentecost that He begins to preach. You killed Him, but God raised Him from the dead. He is our salvation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Is it too much for Jesus to ask you to empty yourself? How powerful is the Holy Spirit? When you speak a kind word, it's the Holy Spirit. When you bring supper over to the neighbor, it's the Holy Spirit. When you pull over and help someone change a tire, it's the Holy Spirit. When you see a family at Hope Children's Hospital in deep grief, 
because their child's been in there for two months and they have barely anything left to exist on and you reach out to them with words and perhaps with financial help, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. When a paycheck comes and you have to decide where the money should go and you decide I can give 5% to my Lord and Savior, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. When your child spills milk on the floor that you have just mopped and cleaned, and the words that come out of your mouth are, that's all right, we all make mistakes. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. When the guy cuts you off in traffic, and you wave at him and invite him to go ahead and move in front of you, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He transforms. Love comes from Him. Joy comes from Him. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When any of those things are exhibited in any of our lives, it's the third person of the Trinity. The one of whom Jesus said, I must go because He must come. And He will teach you all things. Perhaps it will be another decade before we say the words of the Athanasian Creed. Perhaps. And I hope it is not that long before Pastor Schauer or I preach again the central tenets of the Christian faith. The work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at work in your life and mine, providing form and life in our Savior's name. Amen. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father, we need to do that every once in a while. We need to look at the triune God. There are many, many times that sermons deal with sanctification. This is what we need to do for our Lord. There are many times that services talk about what Jesus has done for us. But when we look at the Trinity, through Jesus we have access to the Father by one Spirit. We come to understand the greatness of each the power that each has, and each, and yet each one of them is one and the same. And what does Jesus say? He wants us to be one with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He has done that through His death on the cross and through the work of transformation by the Holy Spirit of God. Keep us close to You, Lord, never a moment today that we do not realize your presence, your peace, and your strength. In our Savior's name, amen.